Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Angela. This is Books Are Good, Actually. And today we're finally in person. And we nailed it. And we nailed the thing. And it won't be over Discord anymore. So that's great. Yeah. Unless things get horrific. Or. Yeah. Yeah. So. Still pretty horrific out there. Things are kind of trending that way. Um, So anyway, for the month of July, we we read a big chonker of a book called. Hefty Boy. Yeah. Jonathan Strange and. Hefty Girl? Hefty Boy or Girl. Or Gender Nonconforming. How do books generally, how are they gendered? You know, good question. Because, you know, boats and cars uh-huh. are generally gendered as women. Mm-hmm. Books, I guess they just get left out of the this type of question. I feel like some weirdo has actually, like, thought about it enough. And, like, some su- some subsection of the internet is like, I just, I need a big strapping book to tie me down. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's probably like Book Chan and Book Kun mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. other fun things of that nature. Um, anyway, back to what we're actually reading. So, yeah, it's Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. Um, it's our fiction for the year. Yes, yeah, our fiction for the year. And we picked a big one. So, be glad. Next yeah. year, we're going to maybe do a short story. Just kidding. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Knowing us, looking at the books that we put on our book list. It's probably going to be something horrific. Yeah, it'll probably be another thousand page type of thing. We'll just start reading the entirety of Dune and no. cry. No. No? Okay, no. all right. Well, you heard it here first. Jimmy says no to reading the entirety no of to Dune. Dune. Also, also no to uh, uh, the Isaac Asimov series. Oh, okay. Um, I almost hit the fountain, but then I'm like, wait, no, that's, that's Anne Rand. We are absolutely not reading the fountainhead. Ugh, that, I am still mad at my English teacher for making me read that. Oh my god. Yeah. That's a fucking crime. Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. They they really be like, yeah, objectivism at school, not really at school, but just like, you should read different books and stuff, which is fine, but boy, that just sucked. It was, it was bad. Oh, and they also had a, um... Uh, scholarship where if you read it I ran an essay about how oh cool it is fucking <laughs> yeah <God. laughs> oh my god like high school we read things like her eyes were watching god like and in the midwest they have you read Anne Rand. yeah we read Anne Rand. Shit. yeah um okay actually it was the atlas shrugged that's what we read oh god and then yeah there's a lot of rape in there that I, like i kind of completely went over my head uh. And then now reading it, or I didn't reread it, but I just kind of read summaries. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of rape in here. And this has nothing to do with our current book. But anyway, that, that no was our... No wonder conservatives like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the individualism that they're into. It's the rape. Oh, my. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, so, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. First off, how did you like the book? Well, I read it in five days. I It took me until just this morning to finish it. Um, I had like a couple chapters left, but I I mentioned this to Jimmy earlier, but this is a book that if you, it's the same as recommending a TV show, but you need to make the caveat of, yeah, so season one is just rough. You need to just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just try to get through it as quickly as possible because mm-hmm. this book takes forever to really get started yep. and there's a bunch of characters and you're like okay i don't know um how important this person yeah. is or yeah yeah 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's it's three parts. Um, Jonathan, uh, Mr. Norell, Jonathan Strange, and what is the third part? I cannot remember off the top of my head. Oh, John Usglass. Yes, John Usglass. Good old John Usglass. I must admit, the third part, I was like, all right, here we go. Things are going to pop off, and then it's like, caw! <laughs> that was it. I'm like, god damn it. Of course. Yeah. Um, so basically, this is like, Susanna wrote a... Uh, like a send up of like British Regency, like social norms and characters and politics through the lens of what if the Industrial Revolution in England was magic instead. And uh, people have remarked that it has like very Jane Austen um, styled prose, but it also has a very like Dickensian feel to it. Um, I definitely get the Dickensian. I haven't read any Jane Austen, but... Can you explain what Dickensian is? I have not heard that term before. Uh, gotta put me on the spot like yes. this. Okay. Um, especially with regard to their wide-ranging plots, eccentric characters, and grim depictions of the plight of children and the urban poor. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. So, like... From what I understand, uh, the, like a lot of her phrasings were very in line with what Jane Austen did. Um, but the way the book just sprawls and just keeps bringing in characters and you're like, who the, wh why? Oh, now uh, 150 pages later, I understand why this character is here. That's the, the Dickens side of it. I also get a lot of Pratchett through the footnotes which I did not read because I was just trying to get through this book. Yes. Also, did you, did you read it on an e-reader? Yes. Ah, so that also makes it like harder to, to like jump out. Yeah. Uh, Cause like all the notes were at the end and I was just like, I, you know, I saw them and I was like, okay, um, well I will maybe read them. And then I didn't. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. honestly, it, kind of feels like uh some of the like political books that we've read like um oh what was the uh the feminism and marxism book that we read oh caliban uh, and the witch caliban and the witch would have like 20 pages of footnotes at the end of each chapter and i'm like i trust you uh, skip yeah i i read i did read some of them and they were all very interesting but i'm just like i don't have the time right now um, but yeah, this book like lives and breathes through its footnotes. Like it's it's essentially a history on top of the narrative. Yeah. Um, I guess overall, it, you know, it took me a whole month, and I already kind of said uh, season one comparisons. Mm -hmm. I thought the book was interesting, and we'll go into with some of these questions. But there are points where I just did not care about certain characters. Um, Which ones? I would say Mr. Norell probably pissed me off the most. Yeah, he's he's an asshole. Like, yeah. Outright. I hate him. So, like, I guess there was, like, some comeuppance because he kept getting into these, like, deals that were not into his favor. Mm -hmm. um, they tr He tries to meet really important people, but he could not handle, like, he couldn't, like, socialize well enough, even though he's yes. a gentleman. Yes. And, you know, there's kind of that obvious, like, 
okay, we both know we're gentlemen, and there's certain ways that we know how to act, and but like I'm going to just ignore the shit out of you because you just are boring and you're not going to give me what I want. Boring I, and weird. Yeah. Um, side note, listeners, if you came to figure out what this book is about by us reiterating the plot to you, it's not happening. Yeah, this book is, uh, as we say, a lot. The plot's a lot. There's a lot of things going on. There's like fairy kings and fairies and John Usclass and a mad king and Napoleon and the Napoleonic War. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the interpersonal squabblings between yeah. the only two magicians left in England. And then the wives that are ignored, ignored, uh, which we'll kind of get into for some of these questions. And speaking of these questions, we're using bookbrowse.com for these reading guide questions. They have some pretty good ones here. We're going to skip some because we just know that we haven't read Jane Austen and we never read Lord Byron poetry. So we have or no historical fiction. Yeah, or historical fiction. So it's very, yeah. you do not want us to stumble through um, I mean, a bunch of these. We don't care what you want, but we're, we're going to be nice. Yeah, we're going to be nice for once. After, you know, Jimmy has said he doesn't love you guys and all this other shit. So I don't even know you. (laughs) All right. We're going to, like, kill any parasocial relationships that are going to form. This is why. um, Watch Inside by Bo Burnham. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, question number one. Um, Oh, gosh. I guess I'll read through this quickly. Um, Clark chooses to set her novel during a pivotal moment in English history. The king is mad, the government is weak, disorganized and lacking leadership. All of Europe is at war, and in England, there's widespread fear of a French invasion, which makes no sense, but okay. Um, it was the eve of the Industrial Revolution, the moment in history when the world turned away from the old ways and embraced a new era of science. In Jonathan Strange and Mr. Morrell, instead of turning to engineering marvels to solve the problems of a new age, England seeks a magical re- renaissance. Does this preclude an industrial revolution, or do science and magic coexist in Clark's universe? Um, so, so first on on the invasion, um, there's a great podcast, Revolutions, um, the third season of Revolutions about the French Revolution, and during the French Revolution, they do actually like attempt to invade Ireland. Okay. Um, like. So there, there are definite like fears in this period. Uh, I'm certainly, I, I'm certain in England that the French, who are, are popping off during the French Revolution and like, take over Italy, Italy, Switzerland, part of Germany, the Netherlands, part of Spain, um, and then obviously during the Napoleonic reign, like they've taken over Spain. They're trying to take all of the or they've taken over part of Spain. They're trying to take over all the peninsula. They've taken over tons of Europe. Like, there's definitely a fear that they're going to try and take England as well. Okay. So, I was wrong. But, it's okay. But I just, I don't know. Every time um, there's talk of... Uh, they're going to invade. Yeah. It's just like, you guys are an island, and ships are difficult to build, and you just have to have a lot of money, and yeah. a good navy, and training people who don't really and have naval experiences as a as an army is very difficult absolutely even into the, like the 1960s like a um, another great podcast backlash 
talks about uh, the Cuban Revolution, and um, they mention in one of their early episodes that in the 1960s, like, a, a invasion by sea is one of the most dangerous ways to try and invade anything. Like, it's better to, like, drop people from the air than invade by sea. Yeah, so that's that's why I was like, oh, I don't know why they're worried through an island, but okay, yeah. so... So, the question The now. actual question now. Well, what do you think? Um, so, in my, just based on kind of, okay, granted, I didn't read the footnotes, so maybe I am missing some other things, mm-hmm. but um, I feel like uh, magic and science actually kind of don't coexist in a way, um, mm-hmm. especially in this universe. Mm-hmm. Reason being is that there seems to be a lot of, like, crackpots and other things there and magic seems to be kind of the one way to show like if you're an actual magician you can easily show that you're a magician mm-hmm. um it, to a sense i mean there's vinculus who you know manages to he you know he's just a street magician mm-hmm. and i guess it's Seconds kind of also does a little bit of magic in yeah. invading um uh, strange's uh, dream summoning okay yeah so like um so it seems like a lot of people put more stock in magic than science um, in this world. Um, so, because uh, I also was like really surprised at the fact that a lot of these ministries and stuff like were totally readily like, oh yeah, well, I'll talk to Norrell or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then find out he's a dummy. But it's just kind of like um, interesting to me that they were like, yeah, sure, that seems cool. And also they were more worried about, uh, granted, I know it's like 1800, so they probably... You know, it's not like if this was around. They don't even have germ theory. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like if this was if this book was set maybe um, just before like World War One, mm-hmm. maybe that I can see them being like, oh, you know, fuck magic. Science is the way to go because mm-hmm. we need to figure out how to kill a fuck ton of people like mm-hmm. really quickly. Um, so, yeah, that that's my theory. I think just because of the time period, thus there's not that coexistence mm-hmm. so i'm gonna disagree like completely all right awesome um so with the way that the story is set up um a lot of the footnotes talk about the r8 uh, magicians and how like they just disappeared after the 1500s which is consequentially like around the time that the like the enlightenment was starting to kick off and science in europe was starting to become like a significant thing um they essentially have what we would assume like in in an 1800s english society would would have which if there have been no magicians for 300 years roughly it's got to come through science um especially the fact that they're they're waging a war on on the continent with Napoleon. They're using cannons, they're using guns, like they're so much of what is going on in this war, like depends on science. Like it's only by happenstance that like magic just came back. One through the concerted efforts of Norel, and then two through like the actually being innately good at it. Of, of strange um so i feel like it it 
definitely required an industrial revolution, but the fact that they are now here in, is probably going to fuck with that. But not to the point where, like, well, maybe, because the ending. Right. So, spoilers, we're just going to skip right to the ending. Um, and magic is back. Magic is back. Like, children are accidentally doing magic. Um, people are, like, staring in puddles and, like, accidentally falling into fairy. Like, magic is hella back. So maybe that really does preclude an industrial revolution at that point. But up until, like, if they hadn't, like, one, summoned a fairy, and well, if they, I mean, if Norell hadn't summoned a fairy and kicked all this shit off, and he and Strange just teamed up, and the fairy was never involved, they probably would just have, like, continued to do magic without, like, summoning the raven king yeah true um okay i guess i can see that point of uh, i guess to me in the story like yeah there's like they're in war so they have like general warfare so that makes you know but i didn't really think about oh yeah that's science but like i don't know i guess because no there was like no discussion yeah, of other science so yeah. it just kind of was like all right i guess they're just like oh but this magic stuff because it was just like in the newspapers there's all these books Mm -hmm. and stuff like that mm -hmm. so and then that is definitely how like a lot of like 1800s enlightenment like an, an industrial uh, age like science would come out it'd be like somebody put out a book yeah and so now we're gonna read the science book um and instead it's magic but if if it had just been the two of them and like some of the plot points hadn't happened I can definitely see them go like chugging along side by side because not everyone could do magic. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to skip part of this question because we sort of answered it. Um, but like, would this story have been plausible if it had been set under the reign of a stronger ruler, such as Queen Victoria? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Because essentially the ministers were like yo our king is fucked we need something yeah and yeah. it's like queen victoria probably is like yo everything's going well mm. and we don't mm. really need this like hail mary of something or if if she had used them it would have been in a very restrained and controlled way yeah for sure instead of just being like okay you you're gonna just go to the iberian peninsula and do whatever you want uh, you uh, just do whatever, like, my ministers want. Yeah, because they definitely give, like, Strange, like, essentially, <laughs> they gave Strange, like, when he went over to the to the war, they were like, essentially, here's secret clearance. Okay, bye. Do, yeah, like do whatever you can. Yeah, work with Wellington and then, or, well, Wellington. Willing, yeah, Wellington. And then, you know, do what he needs to ask of you or try to, you know, you try to oppress him and then eventually he does, but like they let him just go over mm -hmm. there mm -hmm. and he has no training mm -hmm. he he wasn't he wasn't just some soldier or mercenary or anything he's just a magician so to be fair to most soldiers yes most of them throughout history have had no training yeah i mean this is true like a lot of these uh gentlemen who became officers were just like oh, okay i went to school and i had some officer training 
and I my family is rich as fuck. So yeah. I'm now an officer. Yeah. And it was actually really common for officers to have bought their position. Yes. And it like it was one of the only ways to actually like increase your rank was to just buy it. Yeah. The narrative is heavily focused and footnoted with references to books, tales, and historical documents, both real and imagined. These extensive notes, many of them transfixing short stories in their own right, hint at a much broader historical canvas against which the events in the novel take place. Is this construction successful? Does it create contextual richness for the main story? Does it add credibility to the fictional universe Clark has created? Does it detract from the main narrative in any way? I feel like, uh, okay, Grant, once again, didn't read the footnotes, so there's some things that I did miss. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of these like little short stories and stuff like that actually uh, enhance like the universe for sure, um, especially... Uh, this is kind of addressed later, but a lot of these like servants and other folks, they, you know, they have names are not just some manservant or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important to kind of, it definitely gives the world a bit more color. Okay. Yeah. So I, I think it gives, you know, I said my piece. Yes. I, I agree completely. Um, and it like, as a lover of Terry Pratchett, like I live for footnotes. Um, reading some comparisons of this book like made me think that I should read Infinite Jest because apparently it does a very similar thing. Um, I definitely loved House of Leaves, which does similar things with footnotes, where it's like there there's a whole like separate story in this footnote. Like there like there's a book within this book within this book. Um, so. Yeah, no, it it absolutely adds to it, um, especially in the way Susanna did it. Like, it it makes you feel like it's not Susanna writing the book, but like someone from the universe writing the book, and it she pulls it off. Yeah, for sure. All right, next question. Speaking of the narrator, uh, the narrator of the novel is never named yet relates events with a great deal of intimacy and detailed knowledge. Who do you believe the narrator is? Is it one of the characters in the story or an objective outside observer? Is it a man or a woman? Is it a contemporary of the characters and events depicted? Or is it someone who lived later? Um, is it possible two people, one a first-hand witness, recount the deeds of Stranger Norrell, and a second, perhaps a historian or a ma magician who later added scholarly annotations to the main storyline? Thoughts? Um, so I feel like it is... So initially I thought... Um, because like until like until it says like oh you like you may know or like some like things i was like okay this is um it was you know i was thinking like oh it's the author right mm -hmm. writing it and then it says like oh okay this is a narrator that may have witnessed these things um i'm also kind of thinking it could have been like the i just had this thought like it could be like a fairy you know, mm -hmm. since they're pretty around and intimate of, like, what's going on. And at the end of the book, they're now introduced back into the into the world. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that's true. And then, yeah, it could be someone who came back through and just, like, uh, noted, like, oh, yeah, this is a, now there's, like, a historical document. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to go back through and, like, uh, like, 
note things are incorrect and things like that with mm-hmm. these footnotes. And that w- uh, being a fairy would also explain like why they have such detailed knowledge of like the historical record. Right. Um, another thought was like, could this been? Granted, it doesn't really match up, but um, you know, with Jonathan Strange's like novel getting erased, like, oh, could this been like the one lost book? You know, <laughs> that got that was saved or something like that. But that that doesn't make sense. But it, it's it's a fun thought. So I thought it was Segundus, who is a character you're introduced to at basically the beginning of the book, and is the only one who isn't cucked out of being a magician. Um. Side note: Fuck Norel. Um. That's not a side note. That is the entire goddamn podcast. Yeah. We are not friends with Norel. He's a dick. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was Segundus. Um, I definitely like the fairy idea, though. Like, um, that would also potentially explain the the Jane Eyre, or the, the, the Jane Austen um, language choices. Like, mm. a, a very, like, weird sort of, like, third person um language choices because like it's it's definitely at times like yeah like that 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 could potentially explain it because i i can't see like secondus making that choice yeah um i guess the only thing that kind of makes it probably not a fairy is the fact that the when the fairy king the bad one came out i'm pretty sure they would have said this is like the former fairy like they wouldn't they wouldn't be like this is the uh gentleman with the thistle you know thistle down thistle hair. down hair and you know steven being like the future king so it's just kind of like hmm, i wonder like that it might not work in that case or perhaps you know perhaps you know maybe you could still argue it because the fairies like to like you know trick or you know play mm-hmm. around a bit and i definitely feel like a fairy would have been less um obvious with how evil true true the the gentleman with the thistle down hair was right like yeah no uh so you know it's hard to say for sure questions of sanity figure greatly and actually before we get into question five um the five and six are like heavily related so i'm gonna read through just both of them and then we can just discuss sanity okay cool questions of sanity figure greatly in clark's novel which ties madness closely to magic why can gilbert norrell summon a fairy servant who will come to be known as the gentleman with the thistle down hair with ease in the earliest part of the novel while jonathan strange a much more talented and intuitive magician struggles for hundreds of pages to accomplish the same feat is it merely because Norella has access to powerful books that Strange does not? Ultimately, Strange realizes that he must become mad to perceive fairies in the land of fairy. Does Norella's earlier success in this area imply something about his own sanity? Does his rather sober personality and impassioned yet reasonable belief that magic must not be practiced by amateurs belie a madman's quest to control the destiny of English magic? What opinion of Norell's and Strange's characters are we left with at the end of the novel? So, I, I kind of feel that Norell was able to summon this fairy because he, part of it, I feel like, is because he read so much. Um, I don't think he's 
insane or like had bouts of insanity or anything like that um throughout the book i mean because he he plays it straight he's just he's a guy who is like i like magic should be done this way my way also fuck you you can't learn magic from me because i don't want to take any students Mm -hmm. and you know um since he had so many books i feel like he probably could have cobbled together something um strange um i guess to me his sanity was also like coupled with the grief of the loss of his wife Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. there's like he lost someone and was devastated because he just didn't like it was so sudden um and you know know, like he fucked off to italy spoiler she became a log yeah she became a log and it fucked off to Italy. Like, he didn't know, like, they, like, um, um, I best say unburied her, his wife, but, uh, dug up his wife and find the log. So it's just kind of, and, like, he didn't know, mm-hmm. like, what happened with, like, she dies and then he's in Italy. They don't discuss she, she dies, dies quote quotes. unquote. Yeah, she dies, quote unquote, and then he's in Italy. They don't even discuss, like, the funeral, like, his, um, like, how he even got to Italy mm-hmm. or anything like that. He's just there. So it's just kind of like, to me, strange thing is he had no resources to do it. Nirav wasn't going to teach him Mm because after this point, they were like, yeah, we're just going to go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he only, only thing that he knew about seeing fairies was because he went and visited the Mad King. Mm -hmm. And And the Mad King could. Yeah, the Mad King could. So he's like, all right, I'm going to try this out. See if it happens. Let me just juice a, a cat woman. Yeah. Um, if that doesn't make sense to you listeners, read the book. Um, so I'm going to argue that Norell was absolutely mad. Oh, okay. Um, so I, I'm going to argue that madness is not just like you're seeing things. Madness can also be like a desire for absolute control. Um, and like he is definitely unhinged regarding magic like he he has to consume all of it he he's like meticulous and obsessed over it um and uh, it like he he has near breakdowns at the thought of like his books being destroyed or people getting his books or people touching his books okay he fair, is, fair, he fair. Is, like nervous anxiety to the to the max to the hilt like he is the the fact that he can summon a fairy is because he has essentially gone rationally mad in the sense of like locked himself away had no social interactions besides with certains that he did not view as equals and just read for years okay i can see that yeah, where he essentially created probably, you know, perhaps his own reality of how things should be mm-hmm. and his books. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he summoned the fairy. I, It's just kind of interesting that Norell really didn't piece things together of just, like, what was going on. I have a feeling he didn't want to. Yeah. There like, definitely was that, yeah, too. Yeah, like... If, um, for narrative purposes, he couldn't have. Yeah. But, like, as far as his personality goes, he does not want to even think about that because he is so against 
fairies because fairies are madness incarnate and he wants to lie to himself and say that they don't exist and they aren't a part of things etc etc um and that is that's where his madness lies his madness lies in order okay mm-hmm. all right um moving on to not this question fuck lord byron yeah lord byron's just like i'm writing and banging okay uh question number eight we would probably like lord byron yeah he seems like based on the fact that he was writing and banging yeah writing and banging all right jonathan strange and mr norrell clearly belongs to the literary genre of epic fantasy but also has much to say about english society the folly of war the fickleness of public opinion and historical inequalities of class race and gender Clark lampoons a number of classic stereotypes, including pompous government ministers, self-entitled aristocrats, among dan- moral dandies, quack doctors, pedantic clergymen, and no-nonsense can-do general- military generals. Is this novel also, some, in some respects, a comedy of manners and English social commentary in the, relation- uh, in the tradition of Jane Austen? Uh, what kind of portrait does it paint of Regency England? Um, since we both didn't read Jane Austen, probably should skip the first part of this question mm. um I, uh, dropping the jane austen part absolutely is a comedy in a lot of spots like i bust out laughing at a lot of different like like very like uh, things that like in the, in the modern age like be like wow you're being a dick it's just like, oh, yes, I, I will go along with your being an absolute asshole to my face. Um, because you're being polite and you're being an asshole. Yeah. There's, like, several times where, like, they describe Strange as doing everything sarcastically. And everyone's mm. just like, yeah, okay. Like, they just play it straight. I'm just like, yep, okay, he's this is the gentleman and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And, like, his, and, and, uh, his wife, like, smacking him. Like, mm-hmm. like, don't fucking do that. Like, seriously. Like, I know what you're trying to do. Like, don't, don't mm-hmm. do that. Uh, LaSalle's and Drawlish. Yeah. Um, was it Drawlish or uh, Drawlight? Drawlight, yeah. LaSalle's and Drawlight, um, like, just so much, like, manners to the hilt, but also, like, making fun of people the entire time. Yeah, they're scumbags. They're like, pieces of shit. Yeah, they knew that Norrell is a mark straight up mm-hmm. they figured that out like oh okay there's this oh magician okay there's this rich neurotic magician yeah let's figure out how to like okay he can get into ministers which means i can also talk to these guys too mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. you know but like Norell got played so hard i for mean years. yeah for years and like Norell is just like wow it's like taking a really long time for this I'm like yeah it's take you know it just takes a while you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm and then Strange just like, nope, gonna go cut through. Yeah. Um, side note though, uh, if I ever have a Children's Mass in my life, I'm gonna listen to them. Yeah, seriously. Children's Mass was just like, hey, by the way, this is not a good idea. And Aurel's just like, you're my servant. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And he even was like, yo, these two dumbasses over here are not good. And he's like, I'll follow these two gentlemen. Like at the very end, when children mass when he got fucking stabbed and he's like so is it me or lasalle's and he's like 
uh, you children of you need to leave. It's just like, <laughs> oh my god. And he's like, fuck you. Fine. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I want so many more books in this series, and none of them exist, but one of them should be The Life and Times of Children S. Look, there's this cool thing called fan fiction, and oh, I... Oh, God. Looking it up right now. <laughs> it, you can, don't let your dreams be dreams, okay? This is why fan fiction exists. Um, anything else for this question while you're looking up fan fiction? Uh... Don't call me out like that. <laughs> um, what is this question again? Um, what kind of portrait does this paint of Regency England? Uh, an inept one. That yes. people are like talking around like their feelings a lot and like the the important things a lot because they're like manners and like knowing one's place in society. And so so much of like the plot of this book is fueled by the inability of people to like directly talk about like um lord uh what's his name's wife uh miss wintertown uh so uh lady pole lady pole who is being uh essentially nightly like abducted by the fairy that saved her life spoilers again it's at the beginning of the book just read the book um we're not going to tell you the plot stop asking um but she's she's being nightly abducted so is the the servant uh stephen black and like no one who interacts with her is like hmm i just had this really weird interaction with lady paul and or Stephen Black, and I cannot remember what we talked about. Other person, other person, you're you're also involved in Lady Paul's life and or Stephen Black's life. Do you have conversations with them where you cannot remember what you talked about, but you know that you talked about something, or they told you some like insane story? Like, huh. Let's go talk to this other person who, like, visited Lady Pool's yeah. house when she died and then came back to life. Maybe there's something related there. Yeah, there's just a lot of, like, everyone's like, oh, she's so vibrant and she's dancing. And, like, her husband's like, yeah, that's me, I guess. I didn't really marry this person, but, you know, she's back alive, so it's cool now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all good. And then she, like, becomes listless. She just doesn't want to dance. Human and- zombie. Yeah, and everyone's all like, oh, might just be something going on. Ladies having problems. Yeah, ladies be sad, so. 365 days, seven days a week. Yeah, so. There are 365 days in seven days of the week. (laughs) Yes, that's also a um, Kingdom Hearts um, sequel. 365 divided by two? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fun fact, don't ever try and play all the games. You're going to need Fun a cell phone. Fact, you should play all the games. Or an emulator. You should. Okay, they're, fair. They're all on PC. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Okay. Don't actually enjoy the story, though, because it's garbage. It is pretty. I mean, not it's, great. it's fun garbage, yeah. but it's garbage. But it's just trash. Look, just, just admit it. Everything's trash. It's fine. It's you fine. You know what isn't trash? What? Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. 
Well, okay, Jonathan Strange is not trash. Yeah, I was about to say, like, Mr. Owl is kind of trash. The uh, book was not trash. Yeah, book wasn't trash. Jonathan Strange, he is kind of a dick. Um, We'll get to that He's in a, a good-hearted dick. Yeah, but I just feel bad about his wife, okay? I do, too, but all of this would have been, like, resolved if people were allowed to talk to each other outside of their station. Yeah, very true. And also, if Mr. Norell just let dead women stay dead. Yeah. Yeah, but he needed to, you know, make his mark. Yeah. 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 Couldn't it uh, couldn't, uh, change the weather? No. 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 Just raise a woman from the dead with a fairy, even though you hate fairies. Yeah. Because that's the only way he knows how. Bum, bum, bum. I don't know why that I did that. It's not very uh, exciting. Okay. Next question. Next question. Mm-hmm. On talking about your station, what does the novel have to say about relationships between men and women in general, and about marriage specifically? Is it shocking when the possibility of marriage is raised between Stephen Black, the son of an African slave, and Miss Brandy, the widowed London merchant? Do you find it plausible that such a marriage could happen at this moment in English history? Why does Norrell take such a dim view of Strange's marriage to Arabella? What of the arranged marriage between Sir Walter Pole and Miss Wintertone? Um, what a name, by the way. Wintertone. Um, or the fate of Miss Bullworth, who had been exiled from society due to her adulterous relationship with Lesane. This is like a gajillion questions, but all right, let's start from the top. Relationships between men and women in general. Um, generally, like, uh, so when... He went to, when Strange went to Italy, and there was Flora, and they pretty much were friends. Mm -hmm. But, and he was like, well, if I was married, I would have taken you in as a student. But since we're going to be working so much together, then like, oh no, we would like maybe fall in love. So friendships between unmarried people was just not a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, uh, in terms of marriage, was like, for Strange, it was very... He, it felt like it was something he had to do mm-hmm. because of his family's, like, situation. It was a thing he was supposed to do, and mm-hmm. he's like, okay. He was like, I don't know why Arabella sees anything in me, mm-hmm. but cool, I guess. That also sort of strikes me as, like, you know, the, like, I don't know why she married me, but yeah. I, she, I still try and love her. It's like... No, like she I'm sure if you listen to your wife, she will tell you why she married you. Yeah. And maybe stop being such like a self hating asshole. Yeah. And like see the positive things about you. Yeah. Um and then as for the possibility of marriage between Stephen Black and um Mrs. Brandy, I I'm trying to like recall that part. It seems like Mrs. Brandy was very taken with Stephen Black, but Stephen unfortunately was very preoccupied with like the fairy king just hanging around and popping mm-hmm. all over the places, and he can't explain it. But he's like, he knows her affections. Mm-hmm. But um, it would have been nice to see some interactions between them, setting that up before the fairy. Thing yeah, happened. yeah, because it's just kind of like you know, you're like, okay, like she real, and I just don't. Um, I don't recall the laws of 1800 
England in terms of marriage between different races. I can tell you that uh, thanks to the Revolutions podcast, Mm -hmm. season four, um, there's a lot of discussion of what uh, the English would do versus what the French would do regarding returning freed um, black and freed um, in, in the historical notation they are referred to as colored but it's like mixed between uh, black and white land owning slave owning um, people of color they would have returned the English um, in their discussions with slave armies and quote colored armies would have returned them to slavery if they sided with the English and overthrew the French and the Spanish in Haiti. Okay. So England around that time, not great. Yeah. Figured. So most likely was not going to happen. Two, Seaman Black really, um, until like the very end when he became king, he very was like, well, I'm a servant. Like Mm -hmm. that is his, he... Does Aren't not kings think... servants too? Generally, yes, they should be. But <laughs> that's another conversation. Um, but you know, um, Stephen like pretty much identifies like, well, I'm a servant. I'm not a gentleman. And mm-hmm. I think if he, if this was like you know, uh, if he probably viewed himself as a gentleman, I can see him trying to maybe uh, mm-hmm. start a relationship with Mrs. Brandy. She der- She definitely saw him as a gentleman. Yes. For sure. Yeah. But he didn't see himself as one. Yeah. And that's not worthy. Because, you know. like, so much of, like, what makes a gentleman is, like, one, how other people see you, and then, two, how you present yourself. So, and three, how much cash do you have? Yeah. For sure. And, like, he didn't have three, but eh, he kind of indirectly had access to three. Like, if Walter, Walter Pohl, if he were to go to Walter and be like, hey... I get a loan. I'm sure Walter would be like, yeah. Yeah, because, like, the major part of, you know, Stephen's, like, personal or, like, character was the fact that his family helped out, you know, the Pole family when they were, like, destitute. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, so, like, he was very loyal to Walter, even mm-hmm. though... And Walter to him. Yeah, and Walter to him. Even though there is that weird, like, master-servant relationship. Yes, for sure. Yeah, like, Walter, like, really respects him. He knows that he can get all of his other servants, like, doing the things that they need to do and, like, straighten up and things like that. And, like, he, like, Walter even, um, like, defends, like, Stephen. He's like, yeah, he's my best man. Like, I don't know why you're trying to, like, separate us. Like, I think something that occurs where, like, it comes into question of, like, Stephen mm-hmm. and, like, character. Mm-hmm. And Walter's like, no, he's, like, the best man that I have. Mm-hmm. So... You know, um, unlike um, other folks in uh, the book, um, like Norrell and child, like Chiller Maths, like as a comparison, Norrell just doesn't take into consideration yeah. what Chiller Maths does. And yeah. he sends him all over the fucking England to and do shit for him. Asks him like impossible tasks. And Chiller Maths comes through time yes. and time again. Once again, get yourself a Chiller Maths. If you can, if you can build that relationship. Yeah, for sure. Treasure. So, so, like, you know, it's just like that kind of dichotomy there between Children Moss and Norrell and Walter and Steven. So, you know, it's it's very interesting. Um, 
granted, I know this wasn't between the children, not children, oh my gosh, men and women relationships in this book. Um, They're not great. Yeah. There's a lot of ignoring wives or like making light of like the plights of of women like uh, Mrs. Poole, Lady Poole. Yeah. Ignored despite her like obvious suffering. Like if your wife was like dying, died, magician brought her back to life. She's like on basically crack for five days and then all of a sudden like drops into a lethargy that she doesn't climb out of for years something's wrong yeah like talk to the person who brought her back to life yeah um a lot of his book is literally like all our relationship posts where it's just like so apparently my wife's mad at me and i don't really know why but i've written doing everything correctly and everyone's like so did you talk to her well, no, so, you know, can you just tell me how to read her mind and I can just get out of this trouble? Yeah. Um, yeah. Another... Or, my wife's, my wife's mad at me, and, like, I did this one thing, and, like, that seems normal. Why is she mad at me? It's yeah. Like, or why is she so depressed? It's like, well, you did, you did the thing. You, you, that thing, you did. That thing. Yeah um one i thought was like especially of like downplaying uh like strange arabella's like feelings when jonathan went through the like the, the road mirror. yeah the king king's, king's road, road and she was like yo don't do that again because i never knew like i didn't know if you were gonna come back mm-hmm. and he was just like really like oh it's no big deal you know it's whatever just because mr Monorel says it's not like it's scary it's not scary and she's like no like i don't think you understand yeah. this is like do not do that yeah. and he's like oh okay like yeah i agree with her but like at the same time like if you're one of two magicians alive and you manage to walk the king's road like personally i would feel like it is my duty to do as much as I can to expand how that shit works. Yeah. Because, uh, listeners, if you haven't read the book, King's Road, uh, you go in a mirror, you can come out any other, like, mirror-like service, uh, uh, surface that you want. Any. Anywhere. Yeah. So, um, and then as for the Mrs. Bullworth, where she um has been exiled and i think it was because she like she got kind of like tricked by lasales like oh, she yeah. she like married this guy married not lasales married some rich guy rich old guy. rich old guy kind of was waiting for him to die yeah and then lasales probably also does not put out well yeah of course yeah. not and then i think lasales was like oh hey i'm like like youngish i'm youngish let's figure out a scam together mm-hmm. and then like the guy dies and she like all of her pretty much everyone ignored her like she got like society just was like oh we see how this is like looking this mm-hmm. is not a good look i don't mm-hmm. want to associate with you anymore and i think she also lost like all of her money yeah because like the guy's family was like no you're not because of the fact that you've essentially been cheating yeah the sales um i'm sorry listeners Good thing I can edit that out. 
don't. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that was it. It was she got caught, and then they're like, "Cool, you don't get this money. Mm-hmm. Bye." And mm-hmm. she was like, "Curse you, with sales." And he's all like, "That uh, sucks. I have my money, so yeah, peace. bye." <laughs> Does he really have money? We find out later. Not really. Not really. I yeah. think he has a lot of uh, loans yes. taken out, for sure. Better than Drawlight, though. Yeah, Drawlight got super conned by Lucille. Well, not conned, but, like, you don't want to be, you don't want to owe Lucille's anything mm-hmm. at all. According to the narrator, Jonathan Strange is a gentleman. Gilbert Norell is a gentleman. The York Magicians are, magen- are gentlemen. LaSalle and Lord Byron are gentlemen. Stephen Black and John Childermas are not. Even the murderous Mercurial Fairy King, who drives much of the plot, is known as the gentleman with the thistle-down hair. What defines a gentleman in this novel? Is it the same definition according to the societal codes of the time? Is it somehow different? Is it a birthright? a quality of character, or a sign of a man's social significance. By showing that not all gentlemen are good people, what is Clark saying about race and class in her novel? Money doesn't buy class. There you go. Yes. Um, And so that also goes to, I watched this really interesting video about um, Legally Blonde recently um, that goes into the way class dynamics play on that because in Legally Blonde, L, she's rich as fuck. But she's portrayed as having no class. Um, whereas all of the, the people going to Harvard Law who she's like put up against are shown to have class. And there are, there are a lot of very specific like cultural codes that are involved in them showing that they have class despite L like having as much if not more money and more capabilities than than they do like for example L's ex had to have a favor called in to get into Harvard law whereas L just qualified right um so beyond just like being about money it's also about like how you present like draw light he is broke as fuck yes he is he is stringing along like 50 debtors like but he manages to keep up appearances he know he knows what to say he knows who to talk to um like and at the end of the book when he's really strung out like he is still trying to keep up that appearance of class, but the book calls attention to the fact that he can no longer do it. Um, so, like, it, it is about money, but it, it also is not about... Like, John Childermas has been paid by Norell for, like, decades and has spent none of it, according to the book, at the end. Right. Like, so he's got a shit ton of money as far as the times go. But he is not considered to be a gentleman, Partially appearance, partially, like, social interactions. Like, um, if he were to clean up his appearance or, like, dress differently, then people on the street might consider him a gentleman. But, like, once he's in the circles of, like, Norell and the people that Norell interact, that would fade away. Yeah, I think 
in this case, as you said, with money doesn't necessarily make you a gentleman. I agree. It's definitely appearance, but also the way that you can trick, not really trick, but just also um, exude being a gentleman and having others believe you mm-hmm. thinking mm-hmm. you're a gentleman. Because mm-hmm. I bet you have children asked, yeah, if he cleans up and then just says, yeah, I'm a gentleman now, and like he doesn't serve Norel, then, and probably also needs to move elsewhere in England because yes. they just know who he is. Yeah. But if he just like, let's say, goes to Spain or whatever, then mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I'm a gentleman now. I have some money. What do you do? I'm a mysterious gentleman that owns some clothing stores or Mm -hmm. whatever to flip all of my, like, stuff. So, um, you know, I guess in this book, it really uh, specifically kind of has people perceive you as a gentleman if they think you're a gentleman. If they don't, you're just lower than dirt. You're Mm -hmm. a servant or you Mm -hmm. are not worth associating with whatsoever. Because it, you know, does... Not only appearances of like yourself, but just of who you're hanging out with. That's also very important because if you're hanging out with the wrong people, then you're probably not worth anyone's time. Yep. Yep. All right. It's all appearances, folks. Yep. Okay. So, uh, next question: The events of the novel take place almost entirely in the households and in the society of English upper classes. Yet servants, the working classes, farmers, and merchants also play an important, even heroic roles. Who is the ultimate hero of the novel? How did your opinion of characters like John Childermas, Stephen Black, and the street magician Vinculus change over the course of the story? So I believe the true hero is Stephen Black. I I agree to to an extent. Um, Stephen Black is absolutely portrayed as the the true hero of the book. Yeah, like at, to the point of like becoming the king of like metaphorical England at the very end and using the power of metaphorical England to slay the gentleman with the thistle down hair. But I would also argue that Vinculus is one of the heroes of the book. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and potentially the ultimate hero because like he like Stephen Black is like, struggling to deal with like so many things like that are are thrust upon him vinculus could have just fucked off once he got thrown out of london but he was like i have a mission i was born to do this i know it it's inked on my skin i must do it i must like i must find the second magician i must complete the prophecy and he does true um yeah i guess thanks to vinculus there wouldn't have been i mean yeah there's the fairy king but like vinculus like regardless of the fairy king i guess Mm -hmm. um vinculus knew that there's gonna be two magicians Mm -hmm. and then a a king Mm -hmm. that he needs to talk about um so um i you also have to kind of wonder did stephen black so okay so let's say the fairy king doesn't show up right I guess Stephen Black would have either eventually become the fairy king as magic was starting to come back, you know, to England. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he was foretold to be a king in some way, shape, yeah, or form. some way, shape, or form. And so, and Vinculus was like, "Yeah, you're not going to be king of England. You're going to be king of something else." Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, he may have confronted the uh, 
Fairy King. Um, it would have been a completely different book. Yeah. If, if the the fairy, the, the gentleman with the thistle down hair didn't like get invited into the book by Narelle bringing yeah. Lady Pool back to life. For sure. So it's, um, yeah, I, I would say Miklos does kind of push the, he's also a very big like plot pusher mm-hmm. in a way um mm-hmm. besides like the fairy king um i would also say john Childermass did like as we said like he did a lot of this dirty work for Narell mm-hmm. and like eventually got sick of it and or not just sick of it but you know he got he wasn't chosen and he was like all right bye mm-hmm. so um and then because, like, initially at the book, I'm like, why the fuck is Children Mass doing all this shit? You know, like, wh- like what is his thing? Like, Neural treats him poorly. Neural even says, hey, oh, yeah, your tarot cards? Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Please do not ever do that ever again. That's it's horrible. Don't yeah. do that. Doesn't recognize his ability to do magic. Yeah. Like, doesn't recognize his ability to accurately predict the future with the tarot cards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know. Money must have been good. Yeah. And then, you know, as I praise Stephen Black, because I, I enjoyed his character a lot. Yeah. Um, especially his transformation from, like, being this, like, you know, uh, honored, like, servant. And you get to kind of uh, follow him around and, like, kind of get more sense of, like, the world and, you know, his interactions with a mm-hmm. bunch of different people. And then finally having him, like, take down the Fairy King was really cool. Um Cause like I thought that they were gonna summon the Raven King and John as classes was gonna be like, all right, well you're done here, like peace, like get the yeah. fuck out, Fairy King, you're horrible. But just the fact that Stephen just was kind of like, oh, I'm now the Fairy King and I'm just gonna like use my magic to like, like fucking kill you, mm-hmm. and um, then I'm gonna return to the throne and like fix shit, you know. So I read it as he he wasn't the Fairy King. Until he killed the fairy king. Yes, yeah. Right. So he was the, like, the spiritual king of England. Yeah, okay. Because, like, they were casting that spell to, like, imbue, like, the king of, the the, the slave with no name. Okay, right. As the, the rightful king of England. And they were trying to target John Osglass. Yeah. But they targeted Stephen Black instead, and so he got imbued with the like the spiritual power of England, which is what allowed him to kill the Fairy King, and then he became the Fairy King. Gotcha. Um, or the King of of Fairy, or that part of that Kingdom of Fairy. Um, yeah, no, Steve, Stephen is a really interesting character because we see so much, like like we were talking before recording. So much of what happens in this book does not happen by the title characters. I mean, Strange does stuff, but so much of what moves the plot forward is Vinculus, is Childermass, is Stephen Black, and is the gentleman with the thistle down hair. And we really get to see so much of like Regency England through the interactions between Stephen Black and the gentleman with the thistle down hair and the stakes of like what is looming over England is really made clear through Stephen Black and his interactions with the gentleman. Yeah. And also it's interesting to me. I think it was very good symbolic. Like I know he got 
now that I understand he got imbued with the magic, because I kind of was just like, oh, did something, like, did Steven essentially took his own power, you know, or, like, kind of unlocked it in order to, like, you know, become, because he didn't want to, like, see any more people die, mm-hmm. right, and, and stuff like that. But I thought it was really symbolic that the fact that they um, had a black character kill, essentially, you know, not, I want to say, like, his oppressor, but someone who... Absolutely his oppressor. Oppressed. Okay. Absolutely. You know, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he did get kidnapped. Okay, so... Every night, folks, every night in your dreams, you're completely awake, and you're dancing, and you're having a good time, and you're marching in a destroyed, like, castle of a destroyed kingdom, and then you wake up, and you're exhausted. And then that that being that kidnaps you every night shows up during your day and gives you, like ridiculous things that you should never have like crowns to kingdoms that no longer exist on this earthly plane or like treasure chests or like i don't know otters that know how to do tricks like dogs yeah okay fair so yeah he killed his oppressor and because like i thought the end of the book you know, they, when Norel and, you know, Strange got back together, they're mm-hmm. going to go and summon John S-Class and then, like, do they the thing. They sort of did. They sort of did, but, like, they weren't, they, like, as the title characters and, like, what you would think as heroes of the book, they didn't defeat, they didn't, they weren't the ones to truly get back, like, Nor- you know, uh, 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 the kidnapped folks, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, they helped, but, like, they were side. Mm-hmm. Steven was the one to do it. Mm-hmm. and you know strange got back his wife yes i know but i'm just saying like they they did not defeat the, the yeah the gentleman with the thistle down yeah like they like not directly yeah not directly and also like they didn't understand what they were doing yeah exactly so and i don't know i guess in a way i feel like mr norrell got off easy he didn't have a oh, comeuppance yeah. he didn't have a come up like he's the one who started all this shit yeah. it's like when people in a horror movie open the thing that they shouldn't have done and then it takes until the like the end of the movie and then they die and mm-hmm. you're like you're the one and they're like well, what's going on oh what's going on i don't understand what's going on and you're like but you opened the thing and then you didn't die like until later sorry that's just mm-hmm. evil dead remake mm-hmm. and i just was mad mm-hmm. the entire time so to be fair i really like the remake <laughs> No, the remake is fine. It's, I just is yeah. this one of those like, like, yeah. whoa, what's going on? It's like you're the one who opened the book, and yeah. it says literally, "Don't read this book." And you're like, "I want to read this book anyway." You're like, for fuck's yes. sakes. Yes, never read books. Yeah, don't read books. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> um, only read the books we tell you to read. Yeah. That's no. Uh, read what? Read whatever. Read shampoo bottles. Um, but yeah, no, it um. It's, it's interesting because really, like, the, the magicians didn't know what they were doing. Stephen Black, up until, like, he was doing it, didn't know that that was what was going to happen. Like, everyone, through coincidence, sort of works together to win the day. But it's it's not through, like, a knowing understanding of what they are doing. Yeah, also... Yeah, I, I want to bring up, um, you mentioned everything kind of like worked out together. It wasn't like a deus ex machina. Like someone no. came out of nowhere yeah, <laughs> and no, just no, no. like, I will just punch the fairy king and he's dead. And now, you're, Steven, you're the guy. It's more just like, oh, hey, like Steven knew something like 
things were building up to a point mm-hmm. that he knew he would need to escape and he knew what like he obviously knew what was going on but he's like mm-hmm. yeah no more and the, the fairy is constantly like we're getting so close to making you a king i'm gonna make you a king i'm gonna make you a king you're gonna become a king i'm gonna make you a king we're gonna go kill the king let's go kill king. oh we can't kill the king because the magician was like no nah, you're not gonna kill the king i figured out how to do this ancient fairy magic accidentally off the top of my head yeah um so like there's a lot a constant foreshadowing that Stephen was going to become a king in some way shape or form it's just it was never clear um that it was it was going to bite the gentleman with the thistle down hair in the ass yeah um because uh i guess you know side note but i what did you think who did you think the thistle down or the gentleman with the thistle down hair was like you knew you knew he was a fairy but like how you know how much of a fair you know importance of like he is oh like in in the story or what he was supposed to represent um i guess we can do both i have no clue for representation okay um in the story um so a lot of the footnotes like talk or not a lot but well some of the footnotes talk about like fairies um and how there are a ton of different kingdoms of fairies so he's just a king of a kingdom in fairy um and probably due to the fact that like one fairy and the like world have been cut off for a couple hundred years and the fact that like kingdoms and fairy are constantly like waging war against each other and hell is also involved like that's another kingdom where Jonas glass has like a kingdom that he has on loan from satan slash lucifer um i i'm not surprised that things were worn down but like he, he's just a king of of like a kingdom and fairy okay all right because yeah. like for a minute i was like hmm, this could be like lucifer but then i was like well he's not doing the usual shit you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. monkey's paw everything mm-hmm. that you want so i was like all right it's probably not it and it's then more like a, a sort of like puckish sort of yeah. trickster fairy yeah thing um so, like, another kingdom that, like, we see very briefly was the one that LaSalle ends up being in, enchained by magically when he he walks the fairy road. Right. And then, like, ends up in a random fairy kingdom and, like, meets the, um, after making fun of, um, I, I guess it was Childermouse. Yeah. yeah. It was Childermouse who, like, goes through, sees what's going on, comes back and is like, I'm not fucking with that. Um, and LaSales is like, you ran away from a duel? Let me run back through and just fucking kill that guy with my revolver. Oh, I'm magically enchained now to be the... And so now he's stuck there forever. Yeah. So that's that's another kingdom and fairy, most likely. Okay. So they're, they're just multitudinous. Gotcha. All right, anything else before we go on to the next question? Um... Off the top of my head, no, but... Okay, anyway, so, next question. Almost every scene of the novel takes place in winter, yet the final chapter is set in spring. Is this merely a coincidence, or does it say something about the birth of a new social order, one in which magic is available to all, a black man can become a king, women are entitled to a voice, and steering libertines like LaSalle's and Drawlight are no longer relevant? I don't know about no longer relevant for those last two. Yes, those two are one dead 
and two ensnared in a bewitchment uh but there are still other assholes out there i'm sure um but question asker someone wrote a 780 page book and every every chapter of the book was in winter except for the last chapter was it a coincidence yeah it's that's not how that works no (laughs) no this chat this book spans literal years no it was not a coincidence Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's no coincidence. Anyway, <laughs> um, so in terms of symbolism and all those other cool things that we're supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. learn and pick up mm-hmm. from English class. Um, so does the spring represent new social order? Blah, yes. blah, blah. Yes, absolutely. So beyond like Stephen becoming the spiritual and metaphorical king of England and then becoming the human fairy. Um, it's also a, a dawning of magic being accessible to anyone. Not anyone, but a lot of anyone. Like, right. A very serious flattening of like the um, the the hierarchy spectrum. Right. And also it's a new like dawn of like strange and RL um aren't the major influencer i mean there are you know there's strangeites and norlites but like they're not going to be ex- you know um exuding their like yeah they uh, fucked off to figure out why strange still can't get rid of the curse from uh the gentleman with the thistle down hair that caused him to generate a like multi-block like midnight around him that right. follows him everywhere right and, and traps anyone else that does magic in it yeah so like you know there's that so like that's going on strange also kind of like he's really happy that arabella like is able to leave mm-hmm. and you know he doesn't invite her to like come with him or anything like that and she doesn't ask him because i think they kind of realize you know he even says like just be ha- like don't think of me as like you know don't become a widow like you should be happy with what like probably like moving on i will wait for you but like i don't know when this curse is not gonna go away so you know it shows a maturity from him from where he was very kind of disinterested so to be fair to well not to be fair to be like strange what are you doing she's not a magician right she is not trapped if she comes and visits you you can see your wife yeah she can come along to some things i'm sure yeah but like the way that society and blah 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 at the time he probably was like you know this is dangerous work Mm -hmm. and you know no lady should be around this types of stuff Mm -hmm. and like you know maybe as they travel around his mind will change more about that yeah well he was willing to have that like uh that spry 18 year old uh, uh woman in uh italy be a magician so some ladies yeah some ladies when your wife is dead some ladies can be magicians yeah but otherwise um yeah they can't come along even like norell who's a yeah he was like ladies cannot become magicians okay that's my final word fuck norell yeah strange was like i think they can become magicians like no they can't become magicians i was like okay fuck um yeah, anything else? Uh, 
Fucknerell? Fucknerell. Okay. All right. Can you envision a sequel to Jonathan Strange or Mr. Norrell? Have we seen the last of the Raven King? What is this mysterious agenda for English magic? For the world? So. So I think the Raven King is going to do what the Raven King does, which just be like, caw, caw, and then kind of be like, yeah, it's cool. You guys were doing. I'm going to go back to being, I guess, dead or just not being here. not here. Um, in terms of a sequel, I can see a sequel being a thing or some type of light story about not light story wow that's a sorry that's a term um a short story light novel (laughs) yeah light novel um about how they are getting along being trapped in this fucking um midnight i would play that (laughs) that would be a fun like light novel game yeah visual novel game right here yeah um you can like figure out how to do magic and stuff together yeah yeah and then it, it turns out to be a yaoi. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so is hella the bottom. Yeah. Absolutely. He, he can't exert himself. He can't even go to the fucking river yeah. to go and get water. Nope. Uh, he's the worst. Um, the worst. Bottoms are not the worst. Yeah, just Norell is the worst. Norell is the worst. Yeah. But, but he exudes bottom energy. <laughs> um. So, in terms of what is this mysterious agenda for English magic and for the world, I guess the agenda was probably to kind of, like, back when in his day, you know, to have er, there's the, the fairy kingdoms and being, like, the human kingdoms were pretty, like, close to, like, not, it was easy to go in between them. Yes. And I think that's kind of what I feel like the Raven King wants. Yes. And that's, you know, and if, and if English magic develops anymore, or even for the world, maybe, I mean, maybe once... The fact that, like, six-year-olds are hexing their brothers accidentally, yeah. English magic is back. Yeah, and I guess maybe there's, you know, other, you know, as you mentioned, there's, like, other fairy kingdoms, so maybe there's other fairy kingdoms in different, like, continents and stuff, or countries, maybe. Maybe he I, would want... I don't know if it's a map to the world. I don't know if it's a one-to-one map okay. to the world. That may, yeah, okay, I can see that, so. But I guess for England in particular, he probably is like, yeah, we should be able to go in between this stuff and yes. do the thing. So that, we're, we're going to bring up my one of my extra questions, is um, why is it just England? Nowhere else in the world has magic. Why is it just England? Spain doesn't have magic. So I was thinking France about this. I, I so I was thinking about this when I was reading this book, and I was thinking, what if this was set, um, like was set just before World War One, like I mentioned, and there was talks of like Rasputin being mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like Russia, and like oh they have a magician there too. Mm-hmm. So um, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, I want to see a spinoff where Rasputin is bringing back Russian magic. Oh my gosh! Uh, we do not like Rasputin. He is a rapist. Yeah, he is a big he's a big rapist, but he's. <sighs> am I stealing this bit from Trash Future? Yes, I am stealing this bit from Trash Future. Oh my goodness! Um, do I listen to too many podcasts? No, I do not. Fuck you for even asking me that. Oh my goodness. Um. Anyway, so I don't know why other places don't have magic. However, that could just be. Um, that could just be the you know the the author 
not knowing mm. about it. Like, then maybe they're not a scholar mm. for other magics. Yeah. Um, it was mentioned during when Strange was in France or Spain, excuse me, and they're like, oh, maybe the French have a magician or something like that. Right. But, but like, it didn't a- a- appear, but it was just kind of like a rumor. Yeah. You know? So, like, from the sense of like a, a, a militaristic, like, armament standpoint, like, they were trying to find a magician, but like, in the in the footnotes, there's zero mention okay. of magicians outside of England. It is English magic and English magic only. So like, it, either the author is who is very well versed in English magical history is completely ignorant of the rest of the world, or it is only that England has had magicians. Hmm. Which, based on the way that the author is so well-versed, I'm thinking it's supposed to be the second, which then makes me think, why? Right. What is it about these motherfuckers? Yeah, uh, I guess it could just be chance, like the prophecy of like the child being taken to the fairy mm-hmm. and that and it just turns out to be england mm-hmm. i don't know um mm-hmm. it's that that's a good question um although i bet susanna clark would just be like yeah well like i don't know if you read like the uh, intro or like her, the preface where she's like i was vacationing or like i was like in the english countryside and then i decided to write this book so Mm. maybe that you know that was just she didn't really think about oh yeah the other parts of the world have magic or not um which you know considering how long this book is i wonder if she's like yo i can't like mention like a lot of superfluous like details about that type of shit it could have been fuck you susanna it could i mean years of your life what is it i mean i guess she could have just added as a footnote like as part of it, like, you know, just like a one-liner, like, oh, yeah, there's rumors of magic in so-and-so country, or... Or there's a history of magic in these other countries, but yeah. there are no more magicians in them. Yeah, exactly. That, that would have that would have been enough. And then that would have also made sense for why why Napoleon is looking for a magician. But with zero mention yeah. of other countries having magicians in the past. Yeah. Or... I guess I'm kind of curious now because magic has come back to England. Does that mean, does that affect other parts of the world too? I don't think so. I think it's the Englishness that is tied with magic. Gotcha. Because like Jono's glass is not king of the world. Right. He's king of England. Right. Okay. Well, I guess uh, our, what, like zero, one half, maybe 0.5 British listeners, please let us know if Englishness is the reason why you guys have magic. Dear Trash Future cast, if you're listening, please let us know if being English is why they have magic. (laughs) All right. And then finally, final question of this review. This is a long-ass podcast. That's okay. No, it is okay. It's fine. Okay. Uh, while most of the plot concerns the actions of men, Susanna Clark populates her novel with robust female characters as well, including the history-obsessed, magically-resurrected Miss Wintertow- Wintertown, oh my gosh, I always fuck up her name, and her arch-conservative mother, who would rather see her stricken uh, daughter die than allow a doctor to attend, to attend her. 
and Arabella Strange, who seems the definition of a strong and sacrificing wife to everyone but her own husband. And uh, through this story is about magic, which is are uh, considered evil. Um, indeed, the women of the novel serve as foils for a great deal of its plot, yet are given short uh, shrift or in e or seen as one-dimensional by the male characters at every turn. What is Clark saying about the role of women in her novel society, and what does this say about the role of men? We kind of answered that earlier, I feel like. Yes. Also, to be fair to um, Lady Pole's mother, doctors sucked at this time. Sucked. So if a bunch of, if you'd already seen like a bunch of doctors or like, had 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 interactions with shitty quote-unquote doctors at this time why would you consider them now yeah um so i feel like the female characters in this book were like i want to say they annoyed i would say that the way that society treated them was obviously it was it sucked and that part and my reasoning of like I don't like generally reading Regency era novels is because it's just the the like subtle feminism of like a lot of these books are it's just too subtle and I really just don't give a shit about the characters. These like just are really not interesting. Um so But they're playing within the like two inches of like wheel room that society has allowed them and they're taking two and a half inches. Yeah. And it's just kinda like that's cool, but like this just isn't interesting. Um I thought that uh Lady Pole, like her focus I thought it was really uh, my favorite scene of this was when she shows up with a gun and is like Terminator and like just like people like trying to get at her and she's just like i'm going to kill you motherfucker and i was like holy shit that was cool mm -hmm. i thought that was great um because like it really showed that she really appreciated arabella's like friendship mm -hmm. you know so much that she was like grieving and willing to like kill someone who thought who she thought like harmed her mm -hmm. so um that was interesting yeah. and um the fact that she also with lady pole she um was like that fucking fairy king over there he put me through it was like yo like so goodness like let's go and like beat the fuck at, like shit out of him and he's like i don't really know magic he's like whatever let's just go and kill him <laughs> you know so like she understood like she's like okay if we kill the enchanter then we can like get yeah get out of here yeah. so she like led the charge on that and i thought that was like pretty cool i i also really like that both Lady Strange and Lady Pole, like, despite being, like, damsels in distress, are, like, they're actively trying to, like, get out of there. Especially Lady Pole. Like, a anyone that she can talk to, she's going to be like, I'm going to tell you the bizarrest fucking story, and it's just me trying to escape. Please help me. And now, five minutes about a badger. Um... <laughs> listeners um so anytime lady pole or stephen black are trying to discuss the gentleman with the thistle down hair instead they're going to tell someone a story from magical history that they have no control over and the words that come out of their mouth while they may be trying to say one thing they're saying another and it's just magically preventing them but 
it's it's very entertaining, but I'll, I can just imagine it being like nightmarishly frustrating. Yeah. And the fact that she was able to retain her sanity through all of that, uh, through not just like as as much as Stephen Black is like not a gentleman and like kind of a second class citizen, um, he still has a lot of agency. He can like go about town. He can still have relationships with people. He still goes to like. Even if he's exhausted, he still goes and, like, sees his friends for, like, card games. Lady Pool is just chilling in a house, being depressed. Yeah, and Walter is just like, don't know why you're so, uh, so depressed and sad. Okay, anyway, off to go to talk to these ministers and all this other shit. Yep. And she still manages to keep her sanity and keep trying to survive. And that yeah. is, like... I I would have given up. Guaranteed, I would have given up. Yeah, because there's like no way to explain it. You're always dancing. You know things are wrong. You're in a really weird fucking dream You're thing. No rest. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, very, uh, like very strong like characters. Um, Flora, the girl in Italy. I thought she was interesting because, um, like, she really wanted to learn magic. Like, she was really interested in that. And, like, people, like, teased her about her, like, being strange. Like, no, I really just want to learn magic because, mm-hmm. like, this is one of the two magicians of the entire fucking world. The world. So, like, of course I want to learn about this mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, though, like, still, like, from the perspective of strange, like, it still sort of seems yeah. like there is, like, something going on there but like i i can 100 percent see her being like no bro like we're friends teach me magic yeah um and i really like the fact that uh when arabella came through the mirror like flora recognized her and i thought that was really cool that they're like oh there's a friendship here that's gonna happen because arabella is known to just be a really good friend mm-hmm. and like knows when people are in need and like when she saw you know herself is in need of stuff so mm-hmm. oh, that was pretty great um overall the uh, for a while it took me a minute to figure out why the fuck he was in italy and i was just like okay i know he's sad but like uh and then the uh, different characters like that you know the gracefield family and stuff like that and like the cat lady so i was like okay these are interesting characters like byron and stuff like that so as far as him going to italy like um for a narrative purpose yes but like he went to Italy because, like, his wife died for all he knew. And he essentially had, like, uh, I don't want to say, like, a break with reality. But he's he was just done. Yeah. yeah he was yeah. just done. And he was trying to find an escape. Um, and so he, like, for anyone who has means, which he did as a lord, like, motherfucker had property, fucking capitalist fuck strange on that regard yeah um like if you got cash and you're grieving why grieve in england yeah especially when you'll be reminded of like your wife yeah like the the life you're now not going to have the house that you guys share he's probably like yo i'm i need some distractions i need i need to I, i need to seek madness yeah i need to seek madness 
which once again he does by liquidating a woman that turns into a cat and then drinking that yeah fun time all right <laughs> to sort of i guess wrap this up um let's discuss the difference between jonathan strange and mr norrell's um approach to magic and how that relates to liberalism and conservatism yes yes which were happening at the time like um once again revolutions podcast and also just history in general like the the french revolution happened in the 1790s 1789 1790 1791 1792 1793 just around there that was when all the ships were popping off and that's where like the distinction of left and right comes from with monarchists sitting on the right and republicans sitting on the left and that's essentially um how things have tracked as far as like conservatives versus liberals as we we see them today um i mean they're both they're both capitalists fuck them but um as far as like magic goes like norell is incredibly conservative like you have to do things his way you have to read all the books, but he's not going to let you have books because you can't read them out of order. You can't read them without his supervision and his input. Like, you have to do it his way, and he's going to only give you what he thinks you deserve. Whereas Strange is like, I'm going to literally pull magic out of my ass sometimes based off of, like, half remembered things half understood things and just like cobble it together based on what makes sense and then oh shit it works yeah and like norell hated that obviously Mm because he's just like you're not doing the thing my way also like you're kind of showing me up Mm -hmm. you know like i'm i'm the one who's supposed to help with bringing back magic Mm -hmm. you're my student you're mm-hmm. supposed to do what I'm doing and also not show off like you're able to do a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just the fact that, yeah, pretty much kind of strange is like, all right, I'm going to experiment, see how things go. And because I just don't have that, you you won't let me. And I know this. I'm not going to try to dance. Through. Like, we're equals here. Like, we're both gentlemen. Just because I'm trying to learn from you doesn't mean you get to, like, lord shit over me. Yeah. You know. But Norell does not see it that way at no. all. Yeah. yeah. And that that is exactly the, the conservative-liberal dichotomy in that conservatives want to have hierarchies. Liberals do too, at least the American liberals. But in, in the sense of, like, things on the left, if we're going left-right paradigms, um, if you're looking at the French Revolution, the French Revolution in a lot of ways is breaking down hierarchies and as time goes on further left groups and further left groups become in power as the group that was left now becomes the group that is on the right um so in uh in the sense of norell and strange like strange is a hundred percent about breaking down hierarchies yeah for sure because uh he didn't like the fact that he got kind of thrusted into this lordship and all this other shit, especially his like, you know, seeing his father as being an absolute just monster. And mm-hmm. he's just like, 
yeah, I don't care for all this shit. So, you know, and, you know, where Strange went through, like, being an engineer, trying to learn languages or something like that. Like, he was trying to do, like, all these different professions, and he just was, like, not interested, and magic mm-hmm. was the only one mm-hmm. that really got him. I'm also, um... So, Norell had children in this. Right. And we, we definitely got to see what kind of servant Childermas was after decades of working with Norell. Norell is portrayed as being like late 40s, early 50s. Strange is like mid 20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s. Um, we never, it, it would definitely have been interesting to see how um, Strange's like manservant uh, who was almost worked to death by his father. Yeah. Like, came into his own in a relationship with Strange. Um, especially since, like, Childermas, like, clearly is a magician as well. Like, a, a powerful and, like, cunning person in his own right. Would the same thing happen? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the one servant that strange had was a jeremy jeremy johns john's jeremy yeah something like that yeah but like jj yeah jj anyway whole point is like even though like straight like he would come along with him but like strange still got his hands dirty unlike Mm -hmm. norell who was just like please go take care of this for me i really you know and do it my way or whatever so all right yeah you're right he he probably wouldn't have, have learned magic in the same way that Childermas does yeah because Childermas was just constantly like well i guess i have to get this water and draw this rune and like kill this chicken ritualistically and like do this and that and this and that yeah i just love the fact when norell was like wait you've been learning magic is like i've been doing all this shit for you so like yeah i picked yes. some things up yes. dumbass <laughs> uh. all right so that was Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark. And we're going to tell you about our next upcoming books, which are also Chonky Boys. There's a couple um, that are not, but uh, starting next year-ish, starting December, we're going to divide up a thousand-page book. Um, yeah, that's going to be our January read. Yeah, so um, anyway... Uh, first off, to you know, really start things with a bang, haha, how to blow up a pipeline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then uh, we're going to learn about the CIA and the legacy of Ashes. Then we're going to read uh, the occult book for October for Halloween. Yeah, everybody becomes witches. Yeah, everyone becomes witches, all right? Yeah. None of, we're not Norrells here, all right? No. Yes. Everyone can learn fucking magic. Yes. All right. Uh, then Black Shirts and Reds, uh, Hammer and Ho. And then I <laughs> Jimmy's other things, uh, but then uh, less than nothing by Zizek. And that will be divided up because it's a thousand pages and we're not going to be able to like fully discuss yeah. it if we read it all in one month. It's ridiculous. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll tell you the reading order um, once we get closer to it. I mean, that's the reading order. But <laughs> or I'm sorry, divided oh, it up oh, for less oh, than nothing. Yes, yes, yes. Because yeah. so, yeah. there's like four parts and a bunch of like addendums not addendums but like interludes interludes yeah so um anyway remember books Books are are good good, actually. actually